0: Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Remember, if you're just heading into work or have to move on with your day, you can still hear today's full edition of Detroit Today on the Detroit Today podcast. Download and subscribe on iTunes or wherever it is that you find Also, remember that it is WDET's fall fundraiser, and we're really proud of the folks who listen to Detroit Today who have stepped up to support independent journalism, to support civil conversation and the other things that we do here in this space. We need you to keep doing that. We need people to continue to support WDET and help fill a $250,000 hole that will show up in our budget on October 1st. So if you're listening to this show and not supporting us, we need you to correct that. We need you to fix that. Pick up the phone, call 800-959-9338, or go to WDET.org and make your contributions there. A little later in the show, we are going to talk about the Ken Burns documentary on Vietnam. And we're going to talk about what at least one local uh, activist says, is missing from that documentary. How much should Ken Burns have concentrated on the anti-war movement that defined so much of the Vietnam War? Frank Joyce, author and activist, will be here to talk about that. But first, over the weekend, NFL players, coaches, and owners stood united, many with arms locked, some kneeling, and some refusing to come out of the locker room altogether, During the National Anthem, it was a protest against Donald Trump's bashing of players who protest during the National Anthem. He called them something we're not comfortable saying here on public radio uh, and said he'd like to see them fired, said it enthusiastically, said it with far more energy, for instance, than he was able to muster to condemn white torchbearers who were marching in Charlottesville. Here in Detroit, Lions owner Martha Ford issued a statement denouncing Trump's comments and joined the team on the sidelines in a sign of solidarity. The Detroit singer who sang the national anthem at Ford Field, Rico Lavelle, he took a knee at the end of the anthem and raised his fist in the air. Even some NFL owners who supported Trump during the election condemned his comments publicly. I was particularly moved by what Robert Kraft, who owns the New England Patriots, one of the most vociferous supporters of Donald Trump among NFL owners, what he said yesterday didn't just push back against the president, but uh, put his strength behind the idea of what the players are protesting. The idea that inequality and uh, the brutality that we're seeing from police officers in particular, is problematic. Uh, we want to hear from you about, uh, about what you thought about yesterday. Did you watch NFL football? Uh, did you hear about what the president said in Alabama on Friday? Did you, did you see the tweets that came out over the weekend? How did you react to what you saw on the field uh, Sunday, uh, what, what you saw on the field here in Detroit, what you saw on the field around the country um, I want to, uh, I want you to, I want you to uh, tell me what what you felt about what the players are doing, and then also talk about the role of sports in issues of politics, race, and inequality. Uh, what role is it playing? What role has it historically played? And are we seeing a new era sort of um, uh, emerge in which sports is going to play an even bigger role, perhaps? Uh, in those in those uh, issues than it than it has recently. Give us a call 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. You can also uh, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, uh, uh, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. I also want to welcome Frank Joyce, the local author and activist who is later in the show going to talk about the Vietnam documentary to this conversation uh, for a very specific reason. Uh, Frank is somebody that I talk to a lot about protest movements, about inequality, about movements like Black Lives Matter and sort of how... How to make sense of all of those things uh, in the work that I do here and at the newspaper? Uh, I thought he would be an interesting voice to talk about what this looks like, this protest movement, how it's grown, and where is where is it going? Is it reaching the level of resistance? One of the things I've been really fascinated by uh, during the whole Black Lives Matter issue or, or 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 era, I should I should say, is how how different protest and resistance are. Uh, And I think Frank Joyce is somebody who uh, can help uh, us uh, sort of flush out what, uh, what that looks like. So Frank Joyce, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Good morning, Stephen. It's great to be here. Yes, my favorite time of the year, pledge drive. Huh? I'm, I'm tempted to just lapse into pledging, but no, that's not what we're here to talk about. That's right. We don't
0: need you to pledge. We are the ones who have to pledge. But right. uh, but but. Uh, so I, I want you to talk about your reaction to what we saw, not just over the weekend, but what we've seen over the past year as Colin Kaepernick has sort of captured everybody's attention around this issue uh, and, and put it in the context of that question of protest versus resistance. I feel like this weekend, uh, this protest moved more to the, to the space of resistance by virtue of what the president said on Friday and what he said in tweets since then. I, I'm curious
1: uh,
0: about your opinions of that.
1: Well, I I take your point, Stephen, about what's different now from the past, but I want to start by going to what's the same. And one of the things that I've been thinking about are these protests in the context of the anti-war movement uh, and the protest of uh, the American invasion of Southeast Asia, because the thing they have in common uh, is that Trump represents this this feature of American life that tries to suppress dissent and says that the idea, the definition of patriotism is obedience and submission. And yes, you have in the abstract the right to protest, but don't you dare ever exercise it, which is, of course, exactly what the anti-war movement was told 50 years ago during protests against that war. So I, I, and we also had a similar evolution, I think, at that point, from protest to resistance. Draft resistance was, you know, one example of that, but not the only one. But this common thread of just go along, just obey, uh, is sadly something that is, uh, you know, woven throughout the whole History of the country.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Can you compare or draw some comparisons between what we're seeing now with Black Lives Matter and its supporters, including people like Colin Kaepernick, and what we saw in the 1960s, uh, what we saw with the civil rights movement, what we saw with the, the anti-war movement, uh, that that uh, ultimately really changed the the trajectory and the effect and the and the, uh, the the sense of the purpose of that war.
1: Well, let me go even back a little bit further because Jelani Cobb at the New Yorker had a piece this uh, I think it's out just this morning uh-huh. that I found interesting and the parallel he drew was to what happened to Louis Armstrong 60 years ago when Louis Armstrong protested against Orville Faubus standing in the schoolhouse door to prevent the integration of Central High School and coincidentally this past weekend was uh, events observing uh that part of US history and several friends of of mine were involved in those events but just as Trump is now name-calling and denouncing uh, Colin Kaepernick and Steph Curry and LeBron James and other athletes. Louis Armstrong was denounced and vilified and economically punished by people canceling concerts and events that he was scheduled to perform at. So, again, we've got this, this dynamic in which those of us who are trying to advance some cause of social justice uh, have to make our point in a context of it being argued that we should just be quiet. Uh, And people are not being quiet, and this movement is spreading. I think you're right that uh, this movement uh, amongst athletes uh, is spreading in a way that feels very similar to How the anti-war movement, which, of course, started as a small, marginal, isolated protest, but grew as people were forced to stop and think about, well, just a minute, what is really going on here? And which side of justice and history do I want to be on? And and it, it feels very similar.
0: Yeah. Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Frank Joyce, a local author and activist. We are talking about... Uh, The protests this weekend in the NFL Sunday looked really differently on people's televisions this week in reaction to the things that President Donald Trump said Friday night in a speech in Alabama. uh, And then sort of doubled down on throughout the weekend through his Twitter account condemning the players, the NFL players, who have been taking a knee uh, as a way to show their displeasure with some of the things that go on with inequality in America, including the brutality of police departments when it comes to dealing with black people. Uh, Do you think the president should have opened his mouth and stepped into this debate? Do you think that he was right about what he said? uh, Or do you think he was absolutely wrong and that the NFL's reaction, not just among players, but also among owners yesterday, was the right way to push back? And what do you think more generally about this protest movement that Colin Kaepernick really seems to have started but has become, I think, a much larger symbol Uh, in the ongoing discussion about race and inequality. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. Uh, That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Chuck in Franklin. Chuck, welcome to Detroit Today.
2: Good morning, Stephen. Um, I want to be the person, the first person, I suppose, to, Question you on air about your comments on Meet the Press yesterday that the Star-Spangled Banner uh, contains racist lyrics. Uh-huh. Uh- because, and, and let me just say before you before you start, um, I'll post to the DET Facebook page if they'll give me the chance uh, the link to the the column by Walter Olson of the cato institute yeah in which he takes on that question
0: yeah so uh i think that's an interesting i think it's a fair question chuck and i will do my best to answer here uh i, I think you start with the words themselves right uh, the verses that we no longer sing uh, as part of uh, as part of the anthem uh, that ref- refer to the blood of hirelings and slave Slaves, uh, essentially being uh, a, you know awash in the battlefields of the War of 1812. That, I think those are the lyrics that everybody focuses on. And the question is, what are those lyrics about? Are those lyrics about uh, slavery? Are they about uh, reinforcing inequality, or are they just uh, some sort of throwaway uh, uh, comment? And I think that the proof. Uh, that they are not throwaway comments, comes from the fact that they were written by Francis Scott Key. And I say this with a, a pretty heavy heart. I, you know, I spent a decade living in Baltimore. I love it there. Um, uh, I, I, I feel like uh, it's my second home other than Detroit. And if you live in Baltimore for any time at all, the banner and the flag uh, become a big part of your, your sort of sense of the world. Um, but Francis Scott Key was... Not a good person uh, in, in many ways. Uh, he was a slave owner. He inherited slaves uh, as part of the family that he was part of. And he also was a, a city prosecutor in Washington whose uh, whose support for slavery was made really clear by the things that he did, dealing with runaway slaves, dealing with freed blacks. Uh, Francis Scott Key had very strong opinions, personal opinions, about African-Americans and about slavery that he made clear through his work. And so I guess I find it really odd to surmise that somebody who was as steeped in all of this as Francis Scott Key would have written a poem at a really pivotal time uh, that, that somehow uh, he, he's talking about slaves in a different way. I mean, slavery was very familiar to Francis Scott Key. He knew what it was and he knew what it was about and he knew where he stood on it the idea that he would have written what he knew would be quite an important uh, piece about our country and about uh, what it stands for with with an odd or inconsistent interpretation of what slavery and uh, uh, what slaves and slavery were about, uh, it, it just seems like a, a lot of mental gymnastics have to take place for anybody to reach that conclusion. I mean, uh, this was a war in which freed blacks had gone and fought on the British side because they believed that that would be an, a, a quicker way to freedom. Francis Scott Key was. Uh, defeated by British troops who had African-American former slaves in them. This was a guy who was really upset about slaves who had somehow found their way to to, to freedom. And so the idea that it's not uh, about slavery that way, I think, is pretty preposterous. And I've read that piece from the Cato Institute. I think it falls in the same category as a lot of white apology uh, that goes on about uh, about people who support slavery, who support inequality. Uh, some people are just willing to go to any extent to say that it's not about race, that it's not about inequality. I guess I'm not willing to make that leap. I'm not willing uh, to go there. So, Chuck, I appreciate the question. Uh, I hope you do post uh, that piece on uh, on our Facebook page. I'm going to ask uh, our staff to also post a piece from The Root uh, by Jason Johnson about the racist history of the national anthem on that page as well, uh, so readers or I'm sorry, listeners uh, can go there and decide for themselves. Read both sides and figure out uh, where you stand. Uh, Frank Joyce, I'll, I'll give you a chance to uh, to address that question too. We have this argument all the time uh, about the anthem, and I, I find it odd because the words the words are right there, and Key's history is not much of a of a question.
1: Well, they are right there, Stephen, and uh, I, I think I, I couldn't agree more with what you said. I, I would only add a couple things. One is that we are having a different conversation in 2017 about race, and that we are able to look back at the Star-Spangled Banner and understand yes. what, where it really fits in our history is in large part due to the work of new scholarship uh, and of scholars looking Back at things that we have swept under the rug and buried and not wanted to talk about. And, of course, that provokes a reaction. And one of the things that I have observed for many years now of, of work on these issues is that it's just extraordinary the extent to which white people can, are so certain about what racism is not but they never seem to be able to figure out (laughs) what what it is. is. So, as you said, you get these incredibly twisted-like-a-pretzel apologies and pretending that things are different than what they really were, which I would argue, by the way, could be a segue into the Burns-Novic-Vietnam series, but (laughs) you decide when when we want to go there. (laughs) We'll get to that. There's much in common about the revisionism and the way we look back at the Vietnam War as there is about the way we look, for example, at the Star-Spangled Banner, or for that matter, what the War of 1812 was really all about. But never mind, let's not go there. Yeah, yeah,
0: right, right. That's a much longer show <laughs> that we would yeah. have to schedule. Uh, let's go to Aaron in Detroit. Aaron, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning.
2: Hey, go ahead, Aaron. Uh, thanks for having this conversation. I just want to make three quick points. I've lived long enough to live through the 60s. And so I remember people burning flags about Vietnam and all all of that stuff, and uh, when freedom of speech really took center stage uh, in the 60s, and and you know these owners, right, uh, the NFL owners, who are linking arms and in solidarity with the players now, I find it strange that uh, they didn't make these statements or do this uh, stance of solidarity about the issue itself. It was only when Donald Trump said something that they seem to have realized that this is America and freedom of speech is a right uh, to disagree and to protest peacefully is a right in yeah. our Constitution. Right, Aaron, uh, that's But a, at the same time, yeah, the, the last point I'll make is Colin Kaepernick is still unemployed, not because he is not qualified to work, but because they have linked in solidarity behind the scenes to not give him a job. Why don't yes. somebody question them about that?
0: Yeah, uh, Aaron, really hey, great points, really great points, and really great questions. Uh, I, I want to speak specifically to this question of why NFL owners are just now coming out uh, and 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 sort of linking arms—well, literally linking arms—with with the players on this question. I think I, I'm disappointed by that too. That it's taken this long for for owners who I know. Uh, don't agree with uh, the pushback against someone like Colin Kaepernick to do that. I think, you know, the obvious answer is money. Uh, they're afraid that that taking that stance will will continue the NFL's rating slide and take money uh, out of their pockets. I, I do think, though, there's a parallel between sort of what happened this weekend where I think a lot of owners felt like they had no choice now but to come out and, and speak out about it because of what the president said and various points uh, in the civil rights movement of the 60s and in the anti-war movement where you had people standing on the sidelines sort of with their hands in their pockets going, eh, I don't know. I don't know when I'm supposed to get involved here. And then something happens that uh, sort of inspires them or, or leaves it, makes it clear that uh, they can't, they can't uh, stand on the sidelines anymore. Frank, uh, uh, that, that parallel, I think, uh, is sort of right here in front of us right now.
1: Yes, I think it is. Uh, one thing that I'll say, uh, to, a, uh, to a point in defense of the Burns-Novick series, which of course isn't finished yet, and we haven't seen all of it, but um, he said in a, uh, in a screening that I attended that he had himself changed his mind about the importance of the Kent State protest. Uh, in may of nineteen seventy and of course there was also a similar protest at jackson state in which people who were expressing peacefully expressing their opposition to the war were shot and killed and wounded uh... in the case of the national uh, of ohio uh... of kent state uh, by national guard uh, troops and that i think moment was a game changer for Many people who have been kind of sitting on the fence about the war but said, well, just a minute, if if the war is coming home in this way, if we now see how the war is compromising our own struggles to achieve uh, equality and justice at home, Uh, I'm going to look at things differently. And as you were saying earlier, Stephen, that that may well be the kind of moment that we're in with this NFL conversation Mm -hmm. and with Trump coming out. Uh, against the very right to protest, against the very right to struggle against inequality, and advocating, as has happened functionally to to Colin Kaepernick, that you should, for example, lose your job. That's what he's told the owners to do, fire these people. Well, this is a turning point, and this is one of those moments in our national conversation where we all really do have to stop and think, Where the heck is this going? Right.
0: Right. All right, uh, Frank Joyce, local author and activist We're going to keep you uh, for the next segment Which is about the Vietnam War And Ken Burns' documentary on that subject So you hang tight uh, Listeners, hang tight as well We're going to talk about that uh, PBS documentary series And we want to hear from you on that We also want continue, to continue to hear from you About the NFL protest 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone So we'll be right back on Detroit Today